0: and into the dig on doug podcast and we're gonna get live we're gonna get you ready because you're gonna be in for an earful baby let's go Uh, uh, yo yo it's dig on doug dig on doug dig on doug it's your number one spot dig on doug Dig on Dub, Dig on Dub, another episode. drop. This is Dig on Dub, we speak on things we love sports, books, and grub. Listen, we know what's stuff with movies, relationships, dynamites, main event, politics too, and the airways, latest hits. If I like it, then I name it. If I love it, I'll explain it. It's my podcast to play with or experiment we explore our differences fact is we ain't nothing without photosynthesis so get a load of this lock in and focus in informative discussions with substance you can't afford to miss steer you from the shallow pits of hopelessness change your mind state from renting to ownership we on some showmanship set goals and go for it share what i know so you don't have to go through it there's alternatives old kinds and turns and twists yo it's big on dub fool you know you heard of this
1: what up what up what up people another episode of the dig on doug podcast always got to shout out my boy ugo monster who laid that dope track intro down for me uh shout out to my guy hope you're doing well um another great episode we got coming for you um hope you checked out that uh man emotions and sports episode if you didn't make sure you go check that out we got another one for you here today uh we're really exploring that world of emotions, of of sport, of of you know reaching the the upper echelon of of talent and and sports in that nature, and so uh, got to bring my boy Chuck back. What up, Chuck? Good What's to have you here.
2: Doug, yeah, man, happy to be here. Thanks for having me again.
1: Hey, you know, as you're always welcome, and we got a new guest to to the Dig on Doug podcast. A uh, very wonderful, talented man, uh, talented years ago, but talented his whole life. So definitely excited to, to have him here. Uh, Jeremy Ross, ex-NFL player. Um, he'll be sharing all of his, uh, just his uh, accolades and just his journey of what this is. So welcome to the podcast, Jeremy.
3: I appreciate it, fellas. I'm definitely excited to be here. Look forward to, to chopping it all out with y'all.
1: Yeah, 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 man. Definitely glad glad to have you here. I've been I've been seeing you on YouTube, man. You you get me inspired to be back in that gym. So squat, squattober is next month. I keep telling people I got to get on a squattober workout. So
3: squattober, is a scary month.
1: <laughs> everybody, everybody ain't built for it. So
4: it's it's for the few.
1: Yeah. So so uh, Chuck, just a uh, touch on a little bit like what we're gonna uh, touch on today, and then Jeremy, I'll I'll, I'll I'll kick it to you so you can. Just little, let folks know a little bit about yourself, who you are, and uh, all of that stuff, and then we'll get into the questions. Awesome.
2: Yeah, today, man, we're going to continue our journey talking about men, sports, mental health, and all of that, uh, but before we even jump into that, man, don't forget, this month is National Suicide Month, Awareness mm-hmm. Month, and you know, if you haven't reached out to a friend in a while, or you know, if you got some people that you know that's on your heart, man, please reach out and uh, talk to them and just ask them, you know, how they doing, man. You don't have to get into a long conversation, man. Just that quick little phone call or text or whatever, man, can save someone's life. And so, you know, let's make sure that we're doing that. You know, I know I reached out to a few family members uh, that w- was heavy on my heart, uh, man. And one of them replied like, dude, you don't even know where I was at. Mm. And this was yesterday. Yeah. And it was it was exciting just to just to know, man, that little bit makes a difference. So, yeah. Uh, but for this episode, again, like we're going to be talking more about mental health. Uh, you know, got my partner Jeremy over here. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, man, but you and I we go back a long way
4: <laughs> to like
2: the early 2000s. Like, I remember you in the hotel lobby, pop locking with the dreads, bro.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, oh, right. Yeah. You was playing, you was playing, uh, ball up at, in Sacramento. And uh, I was like, man, I remember seeing you. I was like, man, this guy's going to be phenomenal, man. Just all the stuff I heard and some of the high school tapes I watched of you. Like, I've been following you for a minute. So, you know, I just appreciate who you are, man, the man you become. Uh, you also rep my squad, the Lions, man. You in a history books, you know what I'm saying, for the longest touchdown in Lions history. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, and I was watching that game. I was excited. I was like, yeah. Anyway. Uh, get my
3: fans
2: out the way, uh, but yeah, man, I'm gonna pass it over to Jeremy. Jeremy, go ahead and tell us a little bit about you,
3: yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, name is uh Jeremy Ross. Uh, played in the NFL uh, for seven years, was a bit of a journeyman. Played for eight different teams. I was with the Patriots, the Colts, the Packers, Lions, Ravens, Raiders, Jets, and the Cardinals. Uh, had a great career, uh, had a lot of success in the NFL um also had some failures in the NFL I, I kind of got the full experience uh, if you will um but it was a great great opportunity to be able to play at that level uh the relationships I was able to build the coaches I was around the, the pro, the organizations I got to be a part of um the traveling it, it was just all-encompassing experience it was great um you know I'm a family I'm a father of three kids uh married married for seven years so um got a got to you know, quite a big family. And, uh, yeah, we just we just rock it.
1: Yeah, that's that's cool, man. So just let us uh, in a little bit about like you growing up. Like what was your your childhood like? How did you all like come into sports and, and all of that stuff?
3: Yeah. So, you know, I, I started playing football when I was nine years old. Before then, you know, I, we'd be playing backyard football. So mm-hmm. we we call we call it a killer man. <laughs> yeah, you just throw the ball up and, and whoever catches it you just got to run from end zone to end zone back and forth without mm-hmm. getting tackled and then you trying to take heads off you know that's that's why we call it a killer man because you was trying to tackle so um it started off like that just just playing football in your socks barefoot all that you know and then um you know as I got of age where I can actually you know play you know organized sports you know I started playing football played for the San Francisco Seahawks um out in the city, and um yeah, that's where it all started for me uh just just playing and and uh you know being able to grow up in sports i, I played I was a three sport athlete, I uh, played football, played basketball, ran track. The older I got the more the less sports I played as mm-hmm. I started to become more focused um once I got to probably about my my junior years when I dropped uh the basketball and and focused you know predominantly on football and track, I kept track because track got me better at football um and then, uh, you know, I just kept doing that throughout my whole senior year and, and then which took me off to uh, to college. Um, but, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a great, great, great experience. I, I, you know, in terms of my experience with sports uh, at a young age. You know, I was a I probably wasn't the guy who you would have chose to make it to the NFL. <laughs> you know, there, there was a lot of other guys on all the teams that I've been a part of who you would have. Who would have stood out more who got more opportunities and you would have said oh that guy's going for sure you know he had more support he had more eyes he got more praise um you know that you know I've I've experienced that throughout Pop Warner high school and even at the college level to some extent um I wasn't the star player I wasn't the guy who had been like he's he's the one um you know I always was confident in my abilities and what I was able to do but, you know, some of it comes down to, you know, opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. at the pop wonder level, there's a lot of favoritism, you know, guys who played previous years, guys whose families knew who and whose families coached. And, you know, so they got the opportunities. So I just had to make do with what I had. And I was still gifted and talented, but can only work with so much given, you know, the, the circumstances that I was in. Um, same thing with high school. You know there was there was guys that had been there who played for the pop Warner team for that high school oh, who wow. kind of moved up who, who who they knew of so there was there was ties that were there um, so I, I struggled a lot with um, you know just just battling you know that that space of of mm-hmm. just feeling like you know the underdog or feeling like I didn't get as many a fair shot or many opportunities as other people um, you know so I really had to grind and battle. Uh, First, my freshman, sophomore year, even junior year was a struggle because, you know, someone like myself, I felt like had a lot to give and had a lot of talent, wasn't able to showcase it because of these outside sources. You know, that was kind of I feel like holding me back. Um, And, you know, it was my junior year uh, where, you know, I actually had to, like, really make a a choice, you know, on who I was going to be. So I was actually did really well in the off season. I started the, uh, you know, uh, started the year of my junior season as a starting wide receiver. Mm. Um, And then after like week three, they just gave the position to the senior because they was like, Hey, he's a senior. We want to let him go with a bang. You know what I mean? Or whatever. So I I was like predominantly on defense, which I didn't like, you know, I was like, I was at safety, had an okay season. Um, But at that point I was like, okay, this year is not my year. You know, like, I'm going to have to, next year is going to be my year, my senior year. So in high school, like during the season, I started training. I was training in the off season during the season. So I I would work out at home by myself. I would put a whole bunch of weights in my backpack, carry my football, lunge down the street. I'd be lifting in my garage, doing all that types of stuff. And I, I wasn't like the strongest guy, even freshman and sophomore year. But once my junior year ended, I had been lifting. And I was like as strong, if not stronger, than most of the people on that team that that following year and then I kept running track and then my senior year I got invited uh, it was like my junior year off season I got invited to the Stanford combine uh, which all the top players you know come to all over and uh at that combine I ended up bench pressing 185 like 21 times uh, and I ran the fastest 40 in the whole combine so I was the only guy to run four three uh in, in at that combine. Um, and now that moment for me, that was like my first time feeling special, like recognized, feeling like people noticed me. Uh they they walked me up on this ladder. It was probably like 30 feet high in the air. Um, this ladder you climb up and this platform you stand on. And I seen all the coaches, hundreds of coaches from all the top schools around the world. And it was at that moment, like everybody saw me for the first time, like, wow, this dude. And and that's when I started getting offers after that, that performance. People saw the speed and they was like, oh, shoot. And that's when the offer started rolling in and then, you know, kind of took off from there. Man, that's
2: awesome, man. Like, hey, during those times, man, because I, I used to like, coach high school football and uh, I remember during those times, man, kids have a hard time, you know, when they aren't quite as good as somebody else, but they know they're better than that other person. How did that affect you
3: mentally? Man, you know what? At, at that, it, it did affect me a lot. And, and being young, I didn't have the tools, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to help me out with that. And you know, not not a knock against you know my my family members, but I, I didn't have the the most support there. And I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because you know, it's just generations of generations of a lack of awareness of how to handle situations. You know, um, so my 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 parents—they're just kids who grew up who had kids, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, You think that as an adult, you should know what you're doing. But really, if you don't work on stuff, you're not going to develop it.
1: Um, Say that again. Say that again. Real quick. Just just say that again.
3: Yeah. Yeah. If you're an adult, you don't work on things. You're not going to develop it. Like just getting older doesn't make you more wise. It kind of does, but not really. Like you actually have to be intentional with what you work on to grow. Age just doesn't make you more wiser than anybody else and make you know how to handle stress better or, or whatever. Yes, yeah, sure. There's certain elements of life that you go through that does teach you, but to really grow, you have to be intentional, with your focus. <clears throat> and I'm not sure if my parents were like locked in like that. And if somebody taught them. So when it came to me, navigating sports, like I did it alone pretty yeah. much. Um, so, you know, at a young age, you just cope the best way you, you could. And for me, it was feeling as less pain as possible, which was hard in my heart. And, And at that time, it was probably just, you know, escaping to other things, you know, to to make myself feel, you know, happier or whatever, Um, because, you know, you you know, I dealt with the anger, I dealt with the frustration, and I didn't always handle it well. You know, you pout at practice, you know, you 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 be angry, you be hot, you know, stuff like that. So I didn't always handle it well, and um, but it was frustrating to feel like, man, like I could be out there, I could do exactly what they're doing, or but I'm not getting the opportunities, and it was very frustrating. To do it, um, and to feel like, and to do it alone as well, like um, things would have been a lot better if there was support there. Like, because yeah. I didn't have a lot of family in my games; it was just me. So a lot of, a lot of games, whether good or bad, like I would look up to the stands, and there's no one in the, no one in the stands for me, yeah. you know um and i know that was heartbreaking for me because it was like man i see all my other teammates and they go to the stands and they have all their family holding signs up they got their jerseys on they're cheering them on and and i look up there and there's nobody for me i have to walk home from the game you know Mm. with my big bag of pads you know what i mean so like having to navigate you know uh the football space all the ups and downs that come with that but to do it solo was tough you know and thank God he built me in a certain way where I was able to like not be a kid who just quit, you know. Um, you know, my dad had work ethic, and I and I I'll definitely give him that. He definitely taught me work ethic and work hard, which is why I was working hard my junior year by myself. Nobody had to tell me to put in extra work; I just did it on my own um, because you know that's kind of how I grew up. But uh, but yeah, it was hard navigating that space. You know, um, it was definitely difficult. When you mentioned support,
2: like what did that look like for you at that age? You know, cause if we get some younger viewers, man, I'm sure they probably feel that same way. Like what would that support look like coming from a parental, uh, you know, just even
3: a caregiver at that moment? Yeah. I think support would just be presence, you know, <laughs> I mean, just, just, just being there, you know, um, I think, uh, you know, just having people there, you know, I think support is like, man, you in the stance, like, cheering me on regardless of you know how i'm doing if i don't do well hey listen it's going to be okay you know because when you're young you don't know if things are going to be okay yeah you know um when you're young everything seems you know intensified it seems magnet like the the magnitude of everything is as heavy and you're so young you don't understand the future and what's ahead as an adult looking back you're like you can look back to yourself like things gonna be OK. That's not that big of a deal. It's not the end of the world. But When you're a kid, it's the end of the world. Yeah. When you're three years old, and your kids tell you, you can't have a lollipop. That's the end of the world. <laughs> you know, someone tell you, you can't have a lollipop as an adult. You're like, I ain't tripping. But yeah, Lord, everything, everything is magnified. You know, when you're a child and, 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 it, and it's important to have a support system in place to help you to see like, listen, you'll be you'll be OK. Listen, I've dealt with stuff like that when I was a kid and I was fine or I had failures, too. And and look how it worked out or whatever. Like, you know, like I didn't have that. You know what I mean? So like it was like, dang, this is over. You know, like I don't even know if I could do. I, I wasn't even focused on college until like literally probably my senior year. I wasn't even sure if I could go, yeah. you know. Um, so just the the tools and the resources and the like, hey, it's going to be OK. You know, and and would be like, OK, I can calm down. I don't have to freak out and panic, you know. Um so, yeah, that's what it would look like to me, just just you know, reassurance um and just someone to be there, you know when i when i when I'm not doing the best, you know, and when I'm doing the best, you know, yeah
1: no it's that it's that process that you talked about, and I think too often um we we talk about the end goal of something, it's like, oh okay, success or or even support, but like you were touching on that that process of what does that look like, and so when we're going through these things and you use the word like harden our heart and all, all three of us know in a sense of what that means. But for you, especially at that age, what was that like? What was hardening your heart like for other people so they can get an understanding of what were you doing to because hardening your heart is is a is a survival mode, but you're still doing something at the same time. But what did that look like for you?
3: Yeah, hardening my heart to me meant pushing people out. Um, I mean, keeping people at a distance. It, it meant more protecting myself um, from disappointment. It meant not getting my hopes up for things anymore. Um, I just kind of was just in the moment, you know, like I, I wasn't like hopeful. Uh, you know, I wasn't like uh, whatever I could do to prevent myself from feeling pain is what I did. And mostly that you know, was keeping people at bay. Not letting people get too close, um, but also not having hope for things anymore, you know, and just kind of being in the moment. If it happens, it happens, you know. But I'm not going to hope for it because if I hope for it and I get disappointed, that's going to be heartbreaking for me. And I'm that's that's not what I'm trying to avoid that, you know. Yeah. Um, so as a kid, that's pretty much what it looked like for me. It was just let me just go out there and do it. I'm not going to expect to play. You know, I'm just going to go out there and get my best. But you know, if I get a shot, I get a shot, you know. Um, so, yeah, that that's pretty much how I harden my heart, you know, do it all.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's real. Yeah.
2: so what what is your relationship with mental health
3: man i would like to say i'm locked in with it um i've been pretty tapped in with the mental health you know since college you know and i think the the reason why i've been able to be so locked in with it is is i think the spiritual foundation is what kind of helped me to to attack that more um gave me more of an awareness of you know my emotional state um and being more locked in with that, um, you know, throughout all throughout college, you know, was able to deal with that because, you know, I dealt with some stuff in college as well, you know, with sports, you know, and the higher you go. I mean, you got coaches screaming and yelling, like yelling at you all the time, you know, disrespecting you. Uh, you know, it's it's the the way that they talk to us, you know, it's just like it's crazy. You know, it's like you ain't talking to me like this on the street, you know, I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right you know, it's like the only the re- only reason why, like you got coaches yelling at other coaches like they children, mm. you, know, you know, that's the culture. I'd be looking at that. I'm like, OK, players, I see. But you talking to this coach like he's a three year old child, that's disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like the things people tolerate, you know, being in sports, you know, because they want to make it or because they want to, yeah. be here. you know. Um, but, man, we had to put up with a lot of that, a lot of disrespect a lot of this being just, just degrading people, you know, just calling us just crazy, you know? Um, So, you know, just, just having to navigate that space and, and, um, but, but luckily I had the relationships and the people to help me, you know, navigate those emotions and to be able to lock in on the things that I was feeling, you know, in real time, you know, which was helpful for me. So I was able to do that throughout college, um, especially in the NFL. And, I think the the higher the, the the situation got, just the higher the stakes got, the more mm-hmm. emotions I felt, uh, and the more help that I needed. Um, because you know, when you're in college and you're and you're not successful, you're not performing, you're you're locked in.
4: Yeah.
3: you're there for the fight. Unless you do some crazy stuff off the field, you're gonna be there. You're gonna collect. You're gonna have your scholarship. You're gonna graduate. You know all that type of stuff. That's that's guaranteed. Um, but when you're in the NFL, it's not guaranteed. You know, the stakes are a lot higher. So the mental part of it is a lot more crucial because you could be gone tomorrow and a lot of people's lives get ripped up from underneath them yeah. in, a, in an instant. Um, and that creates a lot of stress and anxiety. And, 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 and some people don't have plan B's after football. Some people don't know what they're going to do. Football's everything they got. Some yeah. people like, you know, after football, I go back home to the hood. You know what I mean? I ain't got nothing left, you know, and that can create a lot of stress. And if you're undrafted like I was, then you're you're really one more step. You, you're like one foot in, one foot out at all times. You know, mm-hmm. you're like one mistake away from being let go. So it's like it's crazy. The person who's less invested in is required to be more perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the the first round draft picks they get to make a thousand mistakes. Mm-hmm. The but they're the ones who are who are supposedly the best players, right? Who shouldn't be making that many mistakes. But the person who's supposedly not the best. Should be like making a few more mistakes and should be more on point, should have – if they get one pass thrown to them all game, they need to catch it even if there's 10 guys on their back, you know. Um, so the pressure was a lot higher, um, which means the pressure mentally was a lot more, you know. and um, Honestly, my, my mental health throughout the league was like – I was scared every game. Like, I was – every game I was afraid. Mm. I was afraid every single game and I was afraid because, you know, football has been a part of my life forever, you know, mm-hmm. since I was nine and it got to the point to where like, there was points of the game where I can enjoy it, but there was a lot of parts of the game where I was just, I was afraid the whole time. Like I'd be back there in pump return. And and the thing that made me afraid was the more mistakes I made, the more afraid I got. Cause mm-hmm. when I first got out. Like I was confident, and there would be games like, like even when I was in college, like I don't went out there and pump returning and, and being afraid. Yeah, like I don't remember that. Like I'm like, man, when was I like really nervous and afraid to go out there? Like I was excited to get back there and catch the rock and go get get jiggy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and even certain parts of the league, you know, I got in there and I was excited about getting out there and, and, and making runs. You know, but you know, it, it got to a point to where like I was making mis- like made some mistakes. You know, and. And I feel like at that stage, when you're a free agent, you feel like your time is ticking. The more mistakes you start making, the time you're ticking. Because when you're a pump returner, the the good thing about being a pump returner is like, you know, you get to make big plays. But at the same time, your mistakes are big, too. Mm -hmm. You don't really make small mistakes as a pump returner. You either make no mistakes or you make a big one when you're on the other four. Phases when you're just running down on kickoff, or you're just running down on punt, and you make a mistake. Oh, I missed the block. Your guy may not make the tackle. You know, so it may not be crucial. You know what I'm saying? But if you make a mistake as a returner, that means you're dropping the ball. And if you if you get so many punts punted your way, and all the weather elements—winds, snow, rain—you know what I'm saying—all these factors that just factor in. You know what I'm saying? There's a chance you're gonna drop it. You know, Um, and when you're when you're in that role that has high stakes. And you're an undrafted free agent, it creates stress. Yeah. Yeah. I remember every third down, I was anxious. Mm. I, was like, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and depending on where we're at in the game, like yeah. if, if it was like a crucial part of the game, like I need to secure this punt. Like, I was afraid because I was like, man, if I drop this, man, this is going to destroy our team. Mm. Or, man, I'm going to get let go. Or, man, everybody on social media is going to blast me. All the fans going to hate me. Yeah, when I dropped that ball in San Francisco in the playoffs. I muffed that that muffed that kick. Yeah, it wasn't a huge. I mean, it was a. I guess a, not really a huge turning point. We just got smacked because Colin Kaepernick went dumb on us, you know. But uh, it was in the second quarter. But I remember going to social media and people blasting me heavily. You oh, suck. We hate you. We yeah. wish we never got you. Yada 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 yada. But all the other eight games before that, he was praising me how great of a yeah. turn I was and how oh you're awesome. You're so good. And then I do that, you know. Um, but it was just it was just it, it was just crazy. Um, uh, but I remember I remember being so afraid. Sometimes I would I would hope that the other team got a first down on us, so I wouldn't go out there. Wow, wow, that's, that's like crazy. I would hope I would hope that like at least let them get to the 50. Because if they get to the 50 and they punt it, I don't have to worry about catching and running. I could just focus on the ball, fair catch it yeah. instead of worrying about the gunners coming down and the weather elements and and having to look down and, and, and you know, potentially have to drop it, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I got that. I was that afraid out there because I was like, man, I don't want to make a mistake. Like, I was so terrified out there all the time. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't know because I I'm out there. Yeah. 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 You wouldn't know. And, and I think that was the balance of being afraid and still being able to be successful at the same time, mm-hmm. because, you know, Although I was afraid, I still was like praying and working through those emotions and -hmm. and trying to work through how I felt and and locking in on, okay, I feel this way, but the way that I could be successful is fear this, feel this fear, but I I have to rely on my technical skills. Yeah. The emotions are the emotions, but I still have to lock in on my technique. Like, okay, here's what I'm supposed to do. Here's the Mm -hmm. technique I'm supposed to have. So even though I feel so afraid, yeah. If I lean in on my technique, I can still get the job done, but it didn't take away from how afraid I felt of, like, making a mistake and being let go. And the more Man. mistakes I made, the more stressed out I was and the more mistakes I felt like I couldn't make. And I was like, yeah. OK, there's only so many more mistakes I'm going to be able to make. Until I'm gone for good. Mm-hmm. You know? So it was it was it was a stressful time. Um, very stressful, you know, uh, being in a position that I was in. Uh, so yeah, it was it was uh but I was able to work through it. Like I said, like it wasn't all like bad. I had moments where I, I worked through my emotions and I was confident going into the game and, mm-hmm. and, and I felt good and, and and was energized and ready to go. Um, but there was moments where it was a struggle, you know, it was it was a battle, it was ups and downs mentally, you know, in the game.
1: And I uh, Jeremy, thanks for that. I mean, so many people, especially in this sport, but especially in sports in general, but then also men's sports and, and men life to be able to Admit the fear at the highest level, like, yeah. and and that be okay, and say like, hey, this this thing was getting me. Like, I'm I'm up here saying like, hey, let them get a first down, so I don't have to to deal with that. And that just goes to show the beauty of the work you have done to to get there. Because so many people put that shield up of like, oh yeah, no, nah, I was good, like I was fine back there. It's like you know, veins of steel and and ice cold and all this stuff. But that that stuff is ruined, like you said. If you just allowed it to still be there, it's gonna impair what you really can do and so you talked about the process what would that look like for you maybe what was like a ritual or some process you would do to to, to work through that stuff like let's say on a game day uh what, what would be processing things that you would do for yourself
3: yeah for me it was uh prayer was a big thing man um it, it was a big thing just praying through what i felt mm-hmm. uh, praying through what i felt why it was so important to me uh, praying mm-hmm. about the worst. Cause if I can get comfortable with the worst scenario, then it won't have a hold on me. The the part mm-hmm. of the fear was, was feeling like I couldn't handle the worst case scenario.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So it was praying and get to a space where I was like, okay, God, if I get let go, can I work through that? Yeah, it'd be tough, but can I get through it? Well, yeah. I'll be fine. You know? Okay. Yeah. I'll be fine. You know? Um, and and it's just working through the fears, praying about how I feel. Like, man, I'm I'm super afraid, man. Help me to be confident. Help me to be this, this and that, um, and and get better there. I think part of it also is, um, and this was later on my my career was part of dealing with my own was helping people with theirs, mm-hmm. um, and I found purpose in it. I found purpose in my pain and in my fears. Um, so as I got older, I was more of a vet, you know, I was able to take people under my wing and help give them a platform at practice, you know, uh, to be able to talk to what they felt in real time Mm -hmm. because over the years I understood like how, how much you could be mentally. And Mm -hmm. I was like, man, I need to help these players. Like these young players, especially the undrafted free agents or players who were drafted like later in later rounds, they need me, you know? And, uh, because they're going to be going through the same stuff that I'm going through and they're not going to know how to navigate it. Yeah. So I created a space for them to talk. I was like, listen, y'all, I know exactly what you're feeling. I was like, you, you probably feeling you just dropped that ball. Cause, Cause when you drop a pass, it, 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 it goes from, I'm going to catch this ball to, I hope I don't drop it. Mm-hmm. Like that's where your mind frame goes. If you go in, like, man, I'm going to snag everything. And then once you drop a couple, you're like, you get afraid and you start worried about what the coaches think and all this stuff going in your head. And then now your mindset is, I hope I don't drop it. So now you're not playing to win, you're just playing not to lose. And you can't, you, can't, you can't ball out like that with that mentality, you know what I'm saying? You need to be like, I'm gonna catch it. I drop it a hundred times in a row. That 101 pass, I'm snagging it too. Like That's yeah. the mindset you gotta have, but it's so hard to have that um, special, that situation. So I was just trying to create that space for them to be like, listen, if you drop a pass, come right to me and mm-hmm. tell me exactly how you feel. Like, Tell me, I'm afraid. I'm worried about this player's getting more attention to me. I just caught a pass. Coach didn't say nothing. He caught a pass. They praised him. What are you feeling about that? You know what I mean? And, and it helped him to come to me and talk to me in real time. Like mm-hmm. as the pass got dropped, as the good play they did didn't get any recognition, how it makes them feel. Come to me right away. Because if you don't, that stuff is going to take you out. Yeah. In a heartbeat. You know. Um, so it, it was cool because like all my experiences gave me purpose. And I was able to use it to be able to help the guys out uh, with their with their mental health, if you will.
2: That's awesome, man.
3: Awesome, yeah. Like, dude, you got
2: me in tears over here. You know, I, I know you see me wiping. <laughs> I'm like, God, dog, bro, this is like real stuff, right? All the things that you don't get to see, like we get to see stuff on TV, man. We don't get to see the ins and outs, you yeah. know. Hard Knocks does their best at trying to show us some some grit and emotions about it, man. But man, this this is what's up, man. And uh, I like how you said, like you saw a purpose in your passion,
4: mm-hmm.
2: right? That's how I kind of feel about therapy, man. Cause there's a purpose for why I do this and why we're here and why I'm, you know, trying to, well, Doug and I are trying to kind of talk to different figures, man, about like, Hey, mental health is real on all levels,
4: mm-hmm.
2: especially when you're on that high, high level, man. And you know, where everything you do is criticized, everything is in the limelight. Um, but what I do wanted to ask, man, is, is do you would you say there's a stigma in professional sports surrounding mental health and seeing a therapist?
3: I think it's more acceptable now. Okay. Um, you know, mental health is like a it's a thing now. You know, it's always been a thing, but it's 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 a thing now, meaning that there's more exposure um mm-hmm. to mental health people are coming around, you know, about it, you know, before mental health was like, you're soft, you know? Yeah. Boy, if you don't stop crying or if you don't, boy, if you don't get out there and suck it up, like that's what it was before. But now it's, it's seeming like it's, it's, it's more ex- acceptable nowadays, but you know, probably prior to, you know, it would just be, you consider being soft, like what? You want a therapy? Come on, man. Right what you mean you want a therapy? Um, yeah. Cause you know, they, they say, you need to have skin, skin of armadillo mm. and, you know, so you should be able to take whatever, take whatever yeah. happens to you. However, someone talks to you, you just got to take it. Have skin an armadillo, you know, just, just keep working, keep pushing through. And that's what we're accustomed to doing, but we're, we're accustomed to just keep going and keep pushing. But you know, when you're medicated, because in order for us to keep pushing, we have to find a way to harden our hearts and numb out because yeah. it's painful. Mm-hmm. So think about when you numb out like think about it like if, if, if you had a broken leg and someone injected you with like whatever just medicine medicated you and then and you kept pushing through you would destroy your leg but you wouldn't feel it
1: wow you
3: realize how much destruction is being done because you're just numbing out and you're pushing through but you don't realize how much trauma is being done until you stop and that medication wear off you're just gonna realize man i just broke not only my leg, but my, my foot is broke. My hip is broke now. Now my back's messed up. I didn't even realize that because it was numb the whole time. And I just kept pushing through. A lot of times when you when you harden your heart and when you just, uh you know, desensitize yourself to the pain, you do more. Dis- you, there's more destruction that happens mm-hmm. uh, that we're just not aware of. And when the game stops, you realize there's so many voids and holes in your heart and so much pain and trauma that you that you even bring into your real life. You know, you bring it into your next job that you go in because now you can't make mistakes at work. You make one mistake, they're like, you're fine. You're like, no, I made this mistake at work. Ah, uh, y'all about to fire me. You know what I mean? Is that you got PTSD uh, from, from, you know, all the trauma that you face, but you, you wasn't aware of it in real time. So you wasn't able to really take care of those wounds in real time because you wasn't aware that they were there.
1: Now, man, I I love that analogy. I mean, you you, a broken leg. I mean, you you, you numbing it up to just go out there. And so my, my brain and my imagination went to doing that to your heart. And then so that's what you're doing. And then you're done. And then it's like, and especially with professional sports, because you can, you can hide it behind money. You have access to like money to got access to things that the normal common person wouldn't have. You got women all around that, that if you want to find yourself in that like you can find yourself in any realm to block yourself out and then you're not dealing with the things that are really going on inside and all of that stuff and so you were talking about transitioning um i always i'm always super afraid of like athletes um and their transition back to like normal life in a sense i don't think i don't think we talk about that enough because we especially as society like oh they got money they should be good you should just be able to go do anything that you want But uh, like football, but then I also think about like professional wrestlers or fighters. You have the whole stage of like uh, 40,000 plus people, like looking at you, screaming your name, all of this stuff. You can have that in sports and then you transition to like normal life and somebody may not even recognize you anymore. Mm -hmm. And and so what was was that transition like for you um, really going back into like normal, quote unquote, life and then some of the struggles and stuff that you faced yourself?
3: Yeah, I think I think that transition was a tough one. Um, it's funny, I was just I was just praying about that this morning <laughs> about, uh, about uh, you know, y- y- you get so much praise and attention and recognition for being in sports.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And if you're me, I didn't get a lot of good jobs. I'm proud of you when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. like football gave me all of that. Yeah. Football, like I was having a conversation with somebody last night and, and they kind of broke it down a away for me. Like, yeah, football was like. Football has been the most consistent thing in my life, my whole life,
4: mm-hmm. you know,
3: it's ever since I was nine, it's always been there and it's always given me so much. Right. It's given me respect that I've always wanted because I never felt respected as a kid. It gave me attention that I always wanted because I didn't feel like I had all the attention as a kid. It, it, it kind of swooped in and, and became that figure for me and met the needs and the empty voice that i had in my heart as a kid right but it wasn't it wasn't really it was a false sense of fulfillment right so it gave me all these these senses of of attention and things like that um and it made me feel all these things you know what i mean um and um so it's like you know i naturally just just go to that and um but yeah it 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 the way it made me feel every single day, you know, the, the the fulfillment that it gave me of of getting that attention and getting that praise, like that's that's what I that's what I that's why it was so hard for this transition because everything else didn't give you that much praise, and you get accustomed to feeling like, well, the next thing that I have to do has to give me the same feeling, mm. that same, it has to give me the same that type same of
1: high, yeah.
3: Like, dang, this job, nah, I ain't getting nothing from that. This job was weak. Ah. the money, nah, this job ain't paying up. There's, you know you get so accustomed to high pleasure, mm-hmm. high money, high fame, high success. and then then you then you go into normal life and it's like, you were you were just in virtual reality and you take <laughs> You're like what the heck is this like i'm just looking at this random place you know what i'm saying virtual reality you were in fantasy land like right. you know, things don't nobody see you it was like you anything that you could do you like whoa you know it was like that was that name? uh that that movie that movie that's out um the good guy or whatever, yeah. Uh-huh. Like Ryan Reynolds and they put on those things and they do whatever they want. And then you yeah. take it off and you just in your little cubicle, or <laughs> your little apartment or whatever, and you just chilling. Um, but that's how it is. Like at that level, you see things, you do things that it's just not not everybody has access to. You make the money that not everybody. You making CEO money, you know, without without having to you know work. 80 hours a day, you know, Um, and uh, and to having to transition out of that to normalcy, I think has been a a challenge, Um, especially like trying to figure out what you want to do next for work. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also just in my personal life, I feel like I feel like the challenge for me is like. uh, I still want to be first and I still want praise and recognition and Mm -hmm. and part of the thing that's been coming up is what I value and. The next big thing for me is like I want to get my body in this like physique of like like bodybuilding, right? Yeah. But not on the so big you can't wipe your butt type bodybuilding, yeah. but, but like but like men's physique. Yeah, you know, those little competitions they do. But I don't want to perform. I just want to get there, yeah. right? But I, I, in my heart, I'm like, I'm still chasing greatness. Like, I'm still chasing this sense of, like, something that can still give me attention, something that can mm-hmm. still give me some type of recognition, some type of praise. Like, I'm still chasing it. And but my wife and my kids are, are getting the shorter of the stick because I'm not investing in them. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have that same attitude towards bettering my wife and making sure that she has what she needs and investing in my kids and making sure, like, those things can seem like burdens to me. And why? Because I don't get praise for it. Yeah. When I love my wife, there's no one saying, you
0: sacrifice
3: for your wife. (laughs) You went to the the park with your kids to play, or you sat down and you helped them to learn their ABCs. Awesome. There's no crowd for that. Yeah. I'm like, what can I do to get me more praise, to get me more attention, to to feed that monster again? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the battle is like, man, Okay that 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 part is over with you know um and not saying you can't still chase greatness you can't still you know be successful and and and, and do all that stuff but it's 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 like i've seen the struggle for myself like wow i've been addicted to that yeah. and now i have to transition into changing what i value mm-hmm. you know my values have to change now you know um i value myself you know most of my my time i was a single man when i was in the league for for you know, good chunk of the time, but my life is different now. So what I value has to change, you know, and uh and I just have to adapt with my time. You know, I, I can still keep my work ethic. I can still keep, you know, all that stuff. But you know, I can't live for the praise anymore. You know, I just have to I have to you know do the job that I work or um or even just do what I'm passionate about, but not make it about praise and attention anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? I think the part for me is just doing the healing part now. I just got to heal. a lot of stuff because this i still have so much trauma that i got to work through and there's so much that i feel overwhelmed at times like okay where do i start here uh because football losing football for me feels like i lost a person
4: yeah
3: you know and 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 no disrespect to anybody who's lost a family member you know and i'm not saying that losing footballs but for me like it really felt like i lost somebody like a person in my life you know um and that's a real
2: statement dude like don't you ain't gotta apologize for that one because yeah. that's a real statement yeah. like that's part part of the thing that happens with a lot of men we don't voice that we don't yeah. voice how loss affects us mm-hmm. you know we're you said it man in the locker room they're like dude toughen up do some push-ups skin of an armadillo like that's real but it doesn't teach you to work on the stuff that's inside this is This is why I'm passionate about mental health, man, and passionate about what I do in life, because a lot of the folks that come to me, man, have that same aura. Yeah. In a sense, that same thing that's following Mm them. And part of you know, my role in life is personally looking at, hey, what are the things that I'm dealing with internally so that I can help the next person? Mm -hmm. And you said you were doing that with the guys on the sideline. Come to me, come to me. Man, those things right there are intangibles and people will never forget you for that. Mm -hmm. But then coming back home and dealing with your own self, your own stuff, your own demons in a sense, that's where the work really happens. Right. And just being able to express, like, man, I'm afraid on the kickoff because all these other things, and I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And then the transition to say, I still got work to do. Yeah. We all got work to do. And it's just it's very important that, you know, we even encapsulate how much trauma we go through just in life, male, female, whoever, and get a get a chance to deal with that. Cause part of what I do too is help people find themselves. Mm-hmm. Help them find how do you take all of this trauma and still make it and still push forward. Not that you don't have the resources, but put this trauma in the way and and understand it in a way that's not debilitating anymore. And you know, I feel like you a little bit. Sorry, I'm taking over. I feel like I feel like you in a little bit, Meg. I'm telling you, that fame, that light, dude. I chased it for years, wanted it. Like everybody would tell you, like Chuck is so prideful, dude. He forgets his family, he forgets everybody. He's just out there <laughs> seeking that glory. And I'm like, man, when I, the tables turned for me when I finally realized like, it's not about me, but it's about who I can help. Mm-hmm. And then what is it that I love? And it took a recession in 09 for me to start feeling that mm. because I, I was, you know, I was in construction, I was making pretty good money, money I never made before in my life. And then it all went away. I was sending hundreds of resumes out a week. Like I was applying to Starbucks and <laughs> they wouldn't hire me. And I was like, man, what is this? This went on for a year. And I had to go back and figure out what was it that I really loved to do and not satisfying someone else, not satisfying, not trying to prove somebody else wrong, not trying to say, hey, you know, I'm going to do this because you said I'll never amount to anything.
4: Mm-hmm. What is it
2: that I love to do? And I had to find that. And it took a lot. It took a lot. I'm still not perfect in it. Just like you said, man. Hey. Oh, but you, but you,
1: never, you never will be. So, I mean, you know, right.
2: that's tougher than that. So... Man, but I, I appreciate that story, man. That, like, this is touching me. I hope we ain't going too long, man. Oh, God, no, look dog, at the thing,
1: look at the thing, with my amazing. is like, we gonna get the conversation. So the conversation is gonna happen. Jeremy, like one of the things that's baffling my brain right now is all the stuff you talked about and, and for folks, I mean, cause this is an audio podcast, so you won't see, like when Jeremy was talking about the, the punt return, he's looking up literally like right now, he's like imagining going back to, the craziest part to me is like, you talk about all those fears. And one of the fears you didn't talk about is like really being blasted, like because I'm punt return, you can get rocked. And so, but it's like, you got all these other fears of the thing that's can happen and be the results of it. But it's like, man, like, I'm not even concerned with it in the sense like somebody coming down here and just like snatch me and take my soul in the sense from a hit, <laughs> but it's like all of the consequences. And, you know, is this my last game and living in a, a constant state of that, and then you think about the work that you're doing that, that did help, but the work that other people aren't doing. And people go to regular, in a sense, their regular jobs and deal with that. And you just touched on it. And one of the things I think about is everything we do, regardless of what it is, is a relationship.
4: And we like, a lot
1: of people don't think about it. I, I got hip to that game a couple of years ago, like everything, the way we treat our car, the way we treat like our shoes, all of that stuff. So some people take immaculate like care of their shoes but then like them inner selves is like trash. Right. And they, w- and they won't deal with that because that's the harder work. And that's that's that part of like that transition. you're saying of trying to find, OK, what is what is that carrot? We always talk about what's the carrot that's going to get me there. But that carrot got to come from the inside and it comes from work and, and throwing all of that a lot of that other stuff and gunk away. I mean, I know for myself, similar to yourself, like football did give me that I only, I only played in high school. But like having I didn't have a father father figure growing up. So my my football coach was like my my father figure in a sense. Like I loved him, like appreciate him to this day. Like that's a great person. But I was always chasing, even in different relationships in my life, that father figure of like, oh, is this person gonna be in a sense be like my father? But then at the same time, harden is like, nah, I'm not gonna get too close. So it's this this weird relationship. And like Chuck's saying, these aren't the conversations that we are are aren't having enough. And that's why we want to create this platform for us to be able to have that stuff for you to even still be saying that now like is a beautiful thing like because so many people are going through that stuff but again i just hate how society does oh you were in a professional league you got money you're good money doesn't equate to you being good
3: money money can't buy you none and the thing is everybody is feeling what i'm feeling just at a different scale Mm -hmm. Undrafted free agents are worried about being let go. The the 50 million dollar contract guys are worried about not living up to expectation. Everyone. Everyone's feeling it. Mm -hmm. And but it's easy to mask. People use different thing to mask it. They use they use like outwards talking like guys that's like, I'm the best. Man, I'm good, man. I'm I'm a dog. You know what I'm saying? Like they may be going in there like that. But underneath that, there's fear and they're trying so hard to vocally communicate something to overcompensate for the fear that they feel inside. There's like, man, I'm, I'm in next play. Next play. Let's get it. Like the talk sounds good, but everyone has a heart. Everyone has struggles with fear. Everyone struggles with doubts. Everyone struggles with this. But some people mask it. Like I look at Mike Tyson and, and the thing that I love about Mike Tyson is that he's one of the greatest. Right. In boxing. He was a dog. Like, yeah. when he was in that thing. He, 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 he turned into a maniac. Like, he was taking cats' heads off. Like, you, you wouldn't even think he was afraid at all when he was in that, that thing. But he'll tell you firsthand in all his interviews, I was always afraid. Mm-hmm. I was afraid during my training. I was afraid while I was fighting. He says, but I was so disciplined as a fighter. He was so afraid, but he was so disciplined as a fighter, it still made him great. But he was afraid. So for someone like that, you would think they'd be like, "Man, you would you wouldn't think he was afraid." You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But that's everybody. You got a lot of cats that it says like talking portrays a confidence. Like over oh, talking yeah. portrays a confidence. Like when you hear people who like talk trash or they're, they're super outward with things, it yeah. portrays a confidence. But it doesn't mean they're confident. Mm-hmm. They can look confident on the surface. Like you wouldn't be able to tell any of those things about me. You yeah. would think I was confident. You know what I'm saying? But it's what's going on in the inside. You, you, you look calm on the outside, but inside mm-hmm. you're freaking out. And I feel like 90% of the NFL is probably like that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But you would never know because there's so many things you can use to cope with that feeling. The money, the you could, it could be drugs, it could be the women, the, the status, whatever. Like you could just do more to cover up, yeah. to cover up the vulnerability you feel, you know what I'm saying? Like if you had all these blemishes on your body and nobody knew, you just throw some, throw a chain on, cover up the next up, <laughs> throw a jacket on, you know, we would ever know your insecurities, you know what I mean? <clears throat> just keep putting more stuff on. To distract people from what was really going on because you don't want people to know you're that afraid yeah
1: no and, and i love it especially with football and like i mean i i love visors and i love like dark visors and all that stuff but like there's a lot of stuff going on behind that visor right when they playing the game still it, it one it looks cool it does look cool but then it's also at the same time it's like man there's some stuff going on here i'm just trying to work through it and push
3: through so man, you got you got the people with the dark visor right you got the people looking at the person with the dark visor like, oh, my gosh, look at him. He looks intimidated. I don't want to hit him. Look at him. He got the dark visor on. He got old muscles. He got big legs. And then the person behind the dark visor with the big muscles and the big legs, he's like, oh, my God, I don't know if I could do this. I might be let go tomorrow. Oh, he looked kind of intimidating, too. I think he might take my head off, too. You know, it, it, it's it. It's all perception.
1: Yeah, and it's the dark, all... the dark visor dude is like, oh, he don't have a visor. He must be really bold at this. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> oh, he let people
3: really see his eyes. Oh, I'm the reason why I got this dark visor on because I'm scared <laughs> that people look at my eyes. You know what I mean? It, it, it's all perception, man. It's crazy. Oh, man. No matter how tough people portray themselves to be, man, yeah. everyone has pain. Mm-hmm. You just not everyone has fear. Everyone has insecurity. No matter who you are. And you can act like you don't. You can talk talk a good game, and everyone got it.
4: Yeah,
3: that's what I know. It's like Tom Brady has it. Yeah, he's the greatest of all time. He got it. You know what I'm saying? So it's just that awareness. And I think people like that don't get help because, from the outside looking in, you think they're good. Yeah. And a lot of those people don't get the help because people just be like, "Well, you're good. You have a smile on your face every mm-hmm. day. And you got two hundred million dollars in the bank." You're the best player to ever play the game. Like, you like good. must be good. Yeah. So those people get overlooked. But they have hearts like everyone else. And that's the one thing that man has in common throughout all history. We all have hearts. We all have fears. We all have insecurities. We all have disappointments, discouragements. So whether you have a million dollars or two dollars in the bank, everyone has the same heart. Mm-hmm. So- it's Everyone could get help. It's know?
4: real. Uh, go ahead. I still
3: want to know about that punt,
2: man. Like, you looking up and you afraid. You ain't scared of getting hit, getting rocked?
3: <laughs> man, uh, not really. I think I did have fear. It's like when you're running, you do have fear when you're running that ball and you're running through traffic. Yeah. You know there's like a hole there. <laughs> and on the other side of that hole could be daylight or night night. <laughs> I'm telling you, because you hit some holes and you like, dang, I I can either run timid through this hole or I can run full speed through this hole. <laughs> if I run full speed through this hole, I can bust out and break the daylight, and I'm gone for the race. Or I can run full speed, and there could be someone running full speed at somewhere I can't see him, and, mm-hmm. and yeah. delete you. There's always that. I've always that's always in my head sometimes like when i'm hitting holes i'm like yeah, someone could be on the other side of this hole screaming ready to take <laughs> me out man. you know so you definitely man yeah th- those thoughts do happen for sure
2: oh man yeah hey what would you say man to you know any current player or former player uh surrounding mental health like what w- what would you say about that to them
4: i would say man talk Talk, get the
3: help. Don't be afraid to get the help. Um be, be don't be afraid to go first.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Because everyone wish they had the freedom to be able to be themselves and to be honest. Ooh. That's everyone's, that's every that everyone wish they could do that. No matter who you are, everyone wish they had the power to be who they are in their rawest form and be confident in that. Everyone wishes they could have that. And they're, they're just waiting for someone to go first so that they could tag along. Everybody wants to jump on a bandwagon. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, And, and, and I, that's why I made it my mission to, like, let me go first. Let me be the person who's willing to lay, they, lay it all on the line, tell them my insecurities, tell them my fears at the, the highest max. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? You, you wish the other team got got a, a first down on your team? Oh, you wasn't a team player. Like, I'm willing to say it all because everyone wishes they could be as open as me. Yeah. Honest mm-hmm. to me because it's freeing. Right, but but nobody wants to go first. Nobody wants to be that person who's the outcast who's like, what? Because nah, nah. everyone's feeling the same things, you know. Yeah. So I would say, use that pain for, for as power. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you're feeling, man, talk about it. Because if you keep shaking a sprite bottle up long enough and you open that top up, it's gonna burst. You know, talk. You got to keep releasing that, releasing it. Because if you talk, you're gonna be way better as an athlete, way better. You're gonna you're gonna perform at a way higher level.
1: And, and that's the crazy part. Like you just touched on it, pain as power. And it's like, we know athletes, like they're strong. You're trained for this. Like you you're weak in some area you get with a coach who trains you to become stronger in whatever that muscle or that exercise or whatever it is. But the same is it done for the internal stuff. Cause you can't see that. That's not measurable. And, and so, and you talked about it in, in your transition of, of your new life and, and post uh, NFL career, now looking into to working out and all this stuff. And so, I wanted to ask, what what has been and is enjoyable about being Jeremy right now? Like, what, what is real enjoyable about that?
3: Yeah, man. Um, I mean, the thing that's enjoyable about me is when I got a family. You know, I got a family now. Uh, I get kids who I get to pour into, who I get to watch grow, um, who drive me crazy, and they uh, and they're so fun. You know, uh, I get to get to spend time with them and they're, they're, they're funny kids. You know, they I feel like they took all my personality of just being a jokester mm-hmm. and like to have fun. So uh, it's good to be around them um, and just the, uh, you know, being able to, you know, do the things that I love to do. Um, you know, right now we're, we're, we're kind of working on this business that we started years ago uh, called Seven Mind and Body. Um, so it's a training business, I still train people, uh, do personal training. Um, but that's our passion. You know, our passion is, is, is this space is the mental health space. It's the awareness. And the the whole reason why our our business calls seven mind and body is because, uh, it's, it's connecting the mind with the body, right? Uh, it it goes on with the scripture of, you know, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, yes, physical training does have value, but only some, right. If you just focus on your physical training, yeah, that will have some value in your life. But if you focus on the internal, the, the mental, the, the emotional intelligence, the mental health, all that stuff, you'll kill 10 birds with one stone.
4: Mm-hmm. Because
3: if you work on that part, you'll become better physically. You'll become a better father as well. You'll become a better husband. You'll become a better coworker, a better student. You'll you'll hit all these different areas and betterness of your life. If you focus on the inside, you'll be better in every area of your life because that heart you're going to take into every situation in your life. So when we're training people. Um, I'm trying to help people to make the connection between how they respond to physical pain and how they see that in their personal lives. So I was like, hey, when you're working out, be aware of what's happening to you when the moment you feel pain. Like, what is your thought life like? What are you what are you telling yourself in those moments? Okay, is that what that's what happened? How do you see that in your marriage? How do you see that when you parent, when you feel pain or uncomfortability? What do you do in those moments? There's a carryover because we have one heart. The way we respond to physical pain is exactly how we respond to emotional pain. And I I help people to make those connections in real time as we're working out, as we're training. We have talks. Um, We're also going to be doing like speed camps, training, stuff like that. Um, So that's 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 the that's what's the joy about my life is taking my experiences and being able to create a business that um, that I can use my gifts, my experiences to be able to change lives and help people. Uh, grow not just physically but in here, which is the most important part to me is helping people to find this part the heart, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but also get physical results at, out of it as well.
1: All right, well, uh, God just answered a prayer of mine because uh, the personal trainer has been on my uh list, so uh, <laughs> we, we, we you, you, got a, you got a future client right now, no lie. Like, that is that is I am sold, so <laughs> sure, for sure, <laughs>
3: absolutely. We can definitely make it happen.
1: Go ahead, Chuck.
2: I was going to say, man, like, you know, this has been an enjoyable time for me. It definitely gave me some reflection. Uh, it, it also, on a personal note, man, it gave me some insight into my own life mm-hmm. and some of the mistakes I made with my own son. Mm. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, he admitted to me, like, hey, he felt unsupported. mm and he he recalled a time where i told him a statement man and and again you know i'm throwing this out there uh vulnerability he was like hey i invited you to a football game and you said why would i come to watch you sit on the bench and i remember it when he said it i was like oh snap and i remember at the time because i had to take myself back to that spot i was serious about it but i was also like Man, that sucked Mm -hmm. coming from your dad, right? And so, you know, I had to apologize and be like, Man, like ah. And as you were describing that, man, like that's why my tears are flowing because I'm like, Man, like that's the support that a lot of parents miss. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Like, I didn't see the work he was doing, putting in to get to where he was because he started playing for American River High School or college up in Sacramento. Yeah. And he made the squad. And, you know, to me, I'm like, bro, you had the talent. Like, I ain't, I know you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. But why you ain't starting? And yeah. that's my pride. And that's my arrogance. So as, if you're a parent out there, like, hey, listen to what Jeremy was saying. Listen to your own internal heart and support your kid. Mm. Even if they ain't the star, just go support them. Like, don't make that mistake. Because it hurts years later, months later. And it hurts that day. You know so you know man like i said i want to thank you for that uh definitely hit home with me uh you know right now what do you enjoy most about your life and being able to give back
3: yeah i think uh i think it's just that i think it's just the the helping people part you know um there's nothing more rewarding than um um helping people work through a situation, you know, um, I think, you know, some of my clients, you know, just being able to, how they respond to my openness and like, I had a group of people, um, who never knew each other, like a group of my clients, we had like a group session going. And this was like before pandemic hit or this was during pand- pandemic And, had a good amount of people who never knew each other, and we would have our classes and in, in our in our our Friday classes we call it Get Better Friday. We would do a quick, intense workout, and then the rest of the time we would just talk. Mm. I would just share my life, share about what's, what's what I'm struggling with in the moment, what am I dealing with, what 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 am I feeling with in my life in the, at the moment, what am I where am I dropping the ball at in the moment, and what perspective that I'm gaining, things I'm learning, and I would just share open. You know, and and the people still shared, like because I, I led first, like I yeah. shared vulnerability, mm-hmm. I shared embarrassing stuff, all that stuff. And people were like, whoa, like and they started opening up. They started they started sharing and then other people started sharing vulnerability. And other people started sharing vulnerability. And then we just kept doing it every Friday, sharing vulnerability. And and just the feedback people got like, wow, like this is special. Mm-hmm. like. We can go train anywhere. A squat is a squat. Burpee is a burpee. But what you offer us, like, and being able to talk about, like, they miss that stuff. They long for that, you know. And they actually built relationships with each other because there was, like, a pause in the business where I had to stop because I started working in tech. Mm -hmm. These same people who never knew each other kept the workouts going on their own. Mm -hmm. Two years, like, two years consistent without me being even being there they did it on their own. And to see like what I built and it just take off on its own and, and the relationships people were able to form and bond over that experience and how I was able to help them in those moments. Like, I'm like, that's what it's about. That's people beautiful. really working on change. Like people really changing lives. Like people really working on dark stuff, stuff mm-hmm. they never was, stuff they was going to take to the grave. Yeah, The opportunity they get to share that because of me, because I went first. Mm -hmm. because I found purpose in my pain and I decided to go first and I had the courage to go first, you know, uh, that stuff was super rewarding for me. And that's what it's about right there.
1: Right, man. That's, that's beautiful, powerful, life-changing, all of that stuff. All right. Before we wrap it up, I got two questions for you. Like, like, and so I've always wanted to ask a a professional athlete, like this question, like what is the most random thought or conversation you had like in, in the, in a game? It could be on the sideline. Or it could be like in the game, just like the most random thought. <laughs> like random thought. Sometimes, sometimes I think it's like, like you back there on the pump return, Like, man, did I leave the uh, like? Did I leave the oven on? I like just any yeah. super random thought you ever had.
3: Man, man, it, I don't none, none of them really stick out. But you just be talking about random stuff sometimes they'd be like down parts of the game. You just be having fun out there. Like sometimes i would be back near the pump return. I'll be looking in the stands, just looking at people. I smell some food, like, oh, that hot dog. <laughs> man, I wonder what they got up there. You know, like, man, we what we about to eat after the game. I wonder oh, what they're going to have for yeah. it. They're going to have, like, Chick-fil-A. What they're going to have? They're going to have some nice. <laughs> You know what they gonna have you know like because you know we get food after the game
4: yeah
3: like what are we gonna have or we just be on the sideline, man hey would you rather we, we we always look would you rather question man would you rather would you rather do this or or do this you know what I mean we like oh, I don't know man that's tough that's tough right there you know I'll do this oh you do that yeah you know? and oh we up we have home get your helmet you know yeah okay. we're gonna right back to it like, oh, all okay, right so we'll, or we'll, would you rather do this or or, or, or eat that you know the uh, so it, it, it's so much fun on the sideline, man. We, we so many conversations. It, it's 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 comedy.
1: Yeah. Okay. So my 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 second one. So I'm Eagles fan. I have to ask about the 2013 the snow game. Like, I mean, man, that game. I was at work watching that game uh, with 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 the clientele who was there. But man, tell let me into that
3: game. Man, that game was a special game. That was like. That, that game was probably like the highlight of my career. Um, it was funny because when we got to Philly, mm-hmm. there was no snow on the ground. <laughs> no snow coming down from the sky. The grass was green. We got there, we did a little pregame warm up. So we we'd go out there in just shorts, mm-hmm. you know, like, like just, you know, hoodies. And we just out there running around, got a music going, stretching, warming up. No snow. Yeah. We go out there, like we go back in, maybe like 15 minutes past, maybe 20 minutes past, and we get our pads on and we go out for our, our team a little warm up.
4: Mm-hmm. There's
3: like a little bit of snow on the ground. It's kind of coming down just a little bit, not, nothing too crazy. And then we warm up, then we go back in, and then we come back out for the game. Yeah. When we come back out for the game, the whole field <laughs> is white. Snow everywhere. And it's coming down. It was so deep you stick your foot in the ground and your foot disappears
0: because
3: wow. your whole foot. Like it's, it's that deep. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see the lines. They had to keep carving out the lines in the, uh, in the, in the, in the thing. And it was so crazy because like when I'm doing pump returns and when you run, you know, when you drive in the rain, the faster you go, the faster the wind, the, the raindrops hit your windshield. Yeah. And when You're running. You're like running with your eyes squinted because the snow, the faster you run, the snow is like going into your face. Hitting your eyes, like, <laughs> just like that. So when I'm doing a pump return, I have to look up in the sky.
4: Yeah.
3: So when the pump, they punt the ball, I'm looking up in the sky, and snow is getting in my eyes. So I'm like having to squint my eyes and try to locate the ball at the same time. But man, that game was special. I had the uh, the fifty the fifty eight yard pump return, and then mm-hmm. I took a, a ninety eight yard kick return for a touchdown as well. And then I had another like fifty yard run. Kick return right after that. I had a tackle on special teams, tackled Deshaun Jackson um on a punt. Um, but it was it was just it was a it was a phenomenal game. It was, it was the game where I just felt like, man, like put the stamp, put that stamp on my career right there. Cause um uh me and Shady McCoy was going tit for tat, like back for back touchdowns, you know. Uh, cause I think we were up and I think I might have scored. I think I might have scored that first touchdown. We were up 14-0, I think, or 8-0 or something, 14-0. Mm-hmm. It was turn back for a touchdown. Then the snow kind of, the, the snow from the sky kind of calmed down. Then that's when Shady started getting active. <laughs> he took one back. Took, <laughs> to tug. It was probably like a 50-yarder, boom. Then they kick it off to us. I get it. Bow, take that thing to the house. <laughs> tug. And I actually did the Shady dance. And it I remember. So you know how he be easy doing that? Yeah. So I, I, scored touchdown, I did a little little shady <laughs> down. Uh, that they did, and the fans were throwing snowballs at me. Uh, you know, they they were throwing snowballs and stuff like that. We were just looking at the crowd. And then I think the next play or that series, he busted another one.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and then I ended up getting another kick return and busted that for, like, 50. You know what <laughs> I mean? Uh, and uh, it, that game was just a special game because of the the success I had, I think that put me like one in 13 players in NFL history to ever do that. I'd take the pump mm-hmm. turn and keep in the same game. So um that was just a special moment. And it was special because it was such a crazy game. Yeah to be a part of, you know, <laughs> uh just the conditions was just like you just felt like a kid like playing in that much snow. Um but yeah that, that was a phenomenal game. That 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 was that was one I remember. We'll remember forever <laughs> dude it was best for me because you
2: know being from detroit we don't have no Super Bowls. we ain't got nothing right. so we stand behind our plays bro <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey we need something to root for man and, and you did it in in the city that needed it the most man and dude i you know like i said i've been watching your career the whole time i've been watching you develop as a person Uh, knowing you from a teenager to now to three kids, you know, I'm looking at it from afar. Uh, and I just appreciate your heart, your work, your determination, everything. Cause I remember that high school year when you was having some doubts, I didn't know you as well back then, but I remember hearing conversations like, Hey man, let's help this kid. And I remember saying, Hey man, I need your help. And today you helped me. Mm. Thank you so much for all your sacrifice, your hard work your work you're doing on your family the work you're doing mentally uh i just appreciate it man thank you so much man no, absolutely
1: super super thankful so this part of the, the podcast is just what you're digging on so what, what are you digging on right now in your life like what's something that you just like man i really like this right now like it could be anything and it could literally be anything
3: <laughs> i'm really loving ice sparkling water right now <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my homie put me on. It, it, a lot of sparkling water be like uh, watered down. Yeah, you know it's like you drink it and it's like you could tell it's like just sizzling water and a little bit mm-hmm. sort of flavor. Man, a hey, ice sparkling water. Hey, that thing is fire. I'm <laughs> telling you, you hitting that thing. It literally tastes like soda. Only five calories. Yeah,
1: that's it. That's it. And, I, and that's
3: I, that's been helping me because. I've been like on a specific meal plan and um, very bland. Not really. Is is it, you'll get tired of eating it. I'm just <laughs> I'm very like trick what I'm eating, but that gives me like a sense of like I get some like taste. You know what I mean? Like right. mm-hmm. a nice little taste. But there ain't nothing in it. It's just sparkling water. It's only yeah. five calories, zero carbs, zero sugar, zero. And mm-hmm. it's hidden. i will be like go 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 go. Knock that back real quick. Hey, bro.
1: ICE, if any, any representatives from ICE, holler at Jeremy. So I, don't really know. I
3: promote you. Hey, tell me. It's it's you know, it's hey, that's, it's, that's it, real.
1: not I know the ice game. Uh Chuck, what you digging on right now?
2: Man, I'm digging on my 40 speed, bro. I'm about a 15, two in the 40 right now. No. <laughs> 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 uh Actually man I'm I'm digging on family right now man mm-hmm. trying to you know trying to bring some unity back into the family uh we got a bunch of things going on uh, and uh you know a lot of those old demons are resurfacing man so I'm mm-hmm. digging on that
1: I'm trying to bring you know a spiritual perspective to all of it. okay you know that's real for me right now I'm digging on uh facing uh the challenges of what the future are and so for me really trying to look at uh planting seeds right now to really work on home ownership and things for the future so and the nervousness of what that is i was talking to my boy who's going to help me with some of that stuff i was like i'm even nervous having this conversation with you right now i just want you to know that like just just have the conversation so uh really setting time aside for that to really like look at stuff and then really get way more discipline and then put some plans together so so that's what i'm digging on even though it's nervousness even right now like my stomach's like why you bring this up again? Like we're trying to be cool. So um, just, just working on that and working on that with my therapist. So even like uh, the accountability part. So, so that's been super cool. So Jeremy, you got a bunch of stuff going on. Let them know about, about what you got going on, where they can find you. Like I told you, you already got a new client in me. So we just have to work out the paperwork, but, but tell them about like all the stuff you got going on and how they can find you.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, my Instagram, uh, you can find me Instagram, search my name, Jeremy Ross or J underscore Ross underscore 10. Um, you find me there, you know, if you, if you're interested in in doing some type of training, whether it be personal training, uh, if you know the athletes that want to do any football specific training, um, or just speed training, uh, in general, um, you can reach out to me. You could DM me on my Instagram. You can look, look at our website, um, seven mindandbody.com. and And, um, and uh, reach out there. But, yeah, you can always hit me on that Instagram. DM me if, if any interest, any services you want to provide or you need. I'll let me there. All right. Chuck, we got to go so we work on our 40 times. So we, we can. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh, Chuck, tell them about uh, My Niche and everything.
2: Yeah, man. My Niche Therapy, www.mynichetherapy.com. We just added a new section, man, where we're doing blogs. Uh, now I just put one up not too long ago about marginalized populations. Uh so be looking for some more of that stuff coming out and uh, you can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at com, which we're getting ready to launch after this month uh into preparation for the holidays. Mm. Uh and helping people transition from you know the summertime activities to being more indoors uh and help you know make these holidays better if they haven't been that good for you, you know, giving you tools to manage that. But again, www.mynetstherapy.com. And that's on Facebook and Instagram as well.
1: All right, man. Again, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, This is so great. So excited and just what everybody will get from this. I know I got a lot of it. Chuck got a lot out of it and, and all of that stuff. As the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. So I'm, super excited about this time and just what this what this means so all those listening thank you so much for checking out the dig into podcast continue to support uh hope this is helpful for you and, and somebody in your family you know uh hit us up hit me up on uh instagram uh the email is all there love to hear your feedback and everything so until next time y'all be cool and just keep digging y'all peace out